0: You can
1: tell her, you can tell her anything, she's a
2: real good listener, you can tell
3: her anything. Hey confidant, it's your girl T, father long legs, um, high priestess, whatever you want to call me, or don't, none of you call me any of this, um, but I'm going to keep on saying it. This is the very last episode of 2019, very exciting Um, last year for the last episode i did a best of clips show i called it a best of but it truly was there's no objectivity to it, except for these are just some moments that i remember looking back Um, truly there's no real ranking if there was a moment you liked better please do let me know and i'll i'll play it again um but you know this is a this is um a dictatorship so i um i just kind of went back through the whole year i like to look back a lot if you guys have followed me on this journey you know that i am a woman of nostalgia i love to look back and i love to look back at it hey um no i just like to look back and sort of like summarize and analyze and reflect and that's what i did so i went back and looked at my favorite Uh, moments um, sort of re-reminded myself of some uh, great moments that uh, maybe had happened a while ago that slipped my mind and um, if you guys haven't listened to every episode this is a cool way to catch up on some of the cool moments if you're joining us for the first time welcome Um, here's a little sampler platter of the year Um, and yeah so basically um, there's a handful of clips uh, I will introduce each one and tell you a little bit about the guest and the topic they're all about a few minutes long and then um, in between I'll play some highly illegal music that I like um, because it's not really illegal is it? I don't know I don't make money on this so I don't think it's illegal but um, a- and that's that's it and so anyways I thanks for joining in on the show and thanks for being a confidant, uh, whether you've been here from the day one or you just joined or whatever, um, it's pretty cool that it's been two whole fucking years, so um, I'm really excited about that, um, anyways, okay, so let's get into it, what's the first clip, uh, the first clip we have, this was, oh, oh, I have to say, by the way, before I go into this, these aren't like really in an order, it's not like the best, it's not like the worst to best or best to worst, or if you're I will say also some episodes I actually really did like but I didn't have the recording of because um, someone else edited it, so anyways, truly, again, don't read too much into this but the thing I will say is every clip in this episode is, I think, very strong and very good and all the guests are very strong and very good and I think I've taken a good variety of um, topics to share with you guys, alright, I think I have so much anxiety, I feel like I have to explain everything and you guys probably didn't need that explanation this first clip um in no particular order this was really fun this was with um when i first moved into my apartment where i'm living now where i'm recording this now with guest joe Kozala. he's so so funny we met at a comedy festival last year um and since he's done this podcast not because of this podcast What if I was like, he did this podcast and this is why he blew up? No, um, I'm just trying to say like, if you guys remember that episode and you haven't caught up with him, definitely go check out his half hour. It's out now. It's very funny. Um, But no, I was just trying to say, yeah, since he's done this podcast, um, he's released a lot of great material. So please do check that out. Um, So, so funny. Love him dearly. So we talked about a lot of things. His confession, if you remember, was that he loves to make lists. But this particular clip, we actually talked about something that I think about a lot. Starting off with nostalgia, um, but how sometimes when you go back to a place you haven't been in a long time, it just makes you like your whole body remember how you felt then. And um, we just kind of get into this sort of nostalgia feeling and memories and why um, we get sad when we think about certain periods of our life. So enjoy that clip.
4: Yeah, I thought it is bad to see if he gon catch it. I ain't athletic, it, but it's tennis for the necklace. Hey, yeah, what I catch, should I stack it like Tetris? Real good a bitch, real plush that can And I
5: would love curated lists about my own life as as <laughs> conceited as that sounds, but like because there's so many things that happen that you want to experience again, and then mm-hmm. I'm sure there's also so many things that are, would be memorable, but you didn't know it at the time, so you don't you don't have that memory. Yes, but it was significant. Like maybe you crossed paths with someone that you uh, was important to you years later, but you had no idea that you guys crossed paths.
3: That's so interesting. I do love those um, stories where you're like, "Oh, you were at that party," and then, Whoa, right. we both made uh-huh. it here." I you saying that just reminded me. I forgot I do this, and I don't. I haven't done it for this last place I moved, but I used to keep. Um, a folder on my computer. I guess it still exists. I have a folder on my computer mm-hmm. of um, all the rooms I've lived in. Okay. Because I used to just like take pictures of the room. It's not usually I'd be at some point if I was like just, uh, you know, sending it to my mom to be like, here's my new decoration. Mm-hmm. Then I realized, I was like, oh, I have this record. so I, Yeah, and that's really nice. Well, it's nice, but when you live there, you don't care because it's the thing you see every day. Yes. As soon as you leave, you're like, oh, I kind of missed the space. Uh-huh. So I started tracking it and it's nice to go back and be like, I remember exactly what that period in my life was like. I haven't been doing it for the last two places I've lived, mm-hmm. but I'm like, maybe I should.
5: Do you have issues moving because you have connections mm. to the places?
3: <laughs> I think I do. I think moving is very stressful for me. I just moved and um, it's still stressful, mm-hmm. but I have this feeling of like, I don't feel settled until I it's I'm totally like everything's decorated to the last inch and I'm like, okay, now yeah. it's. Now it's my home.
5: Do you have problems, though, with uh, leaving the the space that you've grown accustomed oh, to?
3: Gosh. Uh, it's not so... M- I'm trying to think. I don't think so. I don't think I get sad leaving mm-hmm. a place. I get excited about the new uh, opportunity. Okay,
5: that's great. Yeah. But do, you, I, do you live in, in places for extended periods of time?
3: No. And so this is why I think maybe that's I do why. have an issue. Well, I do think I have an issue with... Uh, I do like the novelty of change, but then once I'm there, it really freaks me out, if that makes mm-hmm. sense. I'm like, I can't wait for something new. And then the something new is the same always because you're the same person. Yes, right. So not much changes. A part of me thinks everything's going to be different and then I get there and everything's and the you're same. You're like, I'm
5: still the same. Exactly. <laughs> I'm not better now.
3: <laughs> and that's usually the moment where I'm like, now I miss what I had. I, mm-hmm. That was good. <laughs> right,
5: yeah. It. It. it could, yeah, it could be like that. I tend to find uh, places to live and stay there. For a long time. Like in in Chicago, I more or less had just one apartment and I've been in the place I've been in here in LA for most of the time I've been here. Yeah. And I I like the idea of a a permanent residence, but I think then if and when you have to leave it, it makes it that much harder because you have Mm -hmm. such a connection to it.
3: That makes sense. I've gone back to places I haven't been to for... I think there's like a memory in the actual space. Like I've been... Uh, I have this memory of like, I think I was in high school, maybe about to graduate. I can't remember, but I was like older as a teen and I had mm-hmm. moved like away from my, the place I went to middle school. Like it was a different city yeah. and I happened to be around there and just thought about driving back. So I was like, Oh, I'm just curious like what it's like. And I yeah. just drove back to the middle school and walked around and then I just started crying. I was like 18 yeah. or something.
5: No, I get that.
3: But all it was weird because it was like, I hadn't been in that space mm-hmm. for years or what felt like, you know, four years and when you're 18 is like a big chunk of your life. Yes. And it, uh, and all I had were these memories that I didn't think were anything. But as soon as my body was back there again, I was like, whoa! Like, yeah,
5: it all comes back to you, yeah. and it, you you start feeling things. Exactly. In addition to just remembering things.
3: And you feel that it's gone. I think that's what made me really. Yes, sad. you'll like, never have that again. It's never. That, I'm never gonna be young, as young as I was, like in that space. The mm-hmm. way I was, like, it, yeah. with the people who yes. I saw. Yes, and every that's the day. big one.
5: That's the extreme one because it's like you when you leave some sort of situation. I think the thing that is the most crushing is that these people will never be here at the same time. Yes. Again, in the same way. In and, in and, and this in yeah, in the same way.
3: Like you can always hit up a friend and you know an old friend that you know will be around forever. Like we, even if you don't see each other every day, but it's different. It's not it's, the same. You're not dynamic. in the
5: same you're not you guys aren't in the same place emotionally or mentally or whatever even if you're in the same place physically and, and you know time is uh, good in that it changes things but it also you know because it changes things we there's something that we once had that is gone forever which and I think anytime we have to deal with the concept of forever it yeah. like is it is really it, it can really affect you.
3: Do you feel that way about Chicago cuz that's where you kind of started comedy right? Yeah,
5: I do. I have, I have very uh, strong feelings about mostly the people who were there at that mm-hmm. time. And I, I, I worked on a very collaborative project for mm-hmm. years with the same people. And we will never be able to replicate that. Right. You know, and partially because of uh, being young Mm-hmm. And willing to put up with stuff and just where we were professionally and because people are in different parts of the world now and, yeah. and, and people some people aren't alive and like mm-hmm. it's just it is a thing that is formative too because when you're young yes. and you have those experiences you, you get it's extra special and that time in my life is like really, really uh, special to me.
3: Okay, so that was Joe Kozala. I'm gonna keep this show moving right along. <laughs> what if I did that this entire episode? I just made it sound like I was hosting a stand up show. Um, speaking of stand up, I do still host a weekly Monday night stand up show in Los Feliz if you live in Los Angeles come see me it's very very chill and by that I mean sometimes there are 30 people there and sometimes there are five but it's always free there's always free pizza there's always free beer um also the lineup is fucking great we have so many people who've been on tv and have specials and do headlining shows for a lot of money Um, but they like to come and run stuff and so you get to see their material first and it's very chill so come to that every Monday but not this Monday It'll start back up in the new year, January 20th, 2020. (sighs) It's late. Okay, let's get to the next clip. This next clip was was with Marlena Rodriguez, um, super funny comedian. Her good confession was that she just got hired to ride on Silicon Valley. Since then, her episode has come out, so do check it out. Um, You know, the final season of Silicon Valley, named after the place that I'm from, so I hold that show dear to me even though, you know, it is fiction. Um, But uh, we talked about how she, um, her complicated feelings towards losing weight inadvertently. So she kind of accidentally lost weight when she started her ADHD medication. Um, That's what we talked about. But in this clip specifically, we talk about sort of the nuances of um, being in between. So not being someone who is bothered by weight, but then realizing when you accidentally lose weight that people compliment you and what to make of that. So we we get into that in this clip. So enjoy.
6: I ended up losing like 25 pounds in two months. <gasps> That's a lot. And the thing is like, everyone is like, you look amazing. <laughs> and it's wonderful. You know, like I think what's really tough is at the end of the day as powerful and as enthusiastic as as powerful as feminism is and as much as we all like that is the reality we want to live in Mm -hmm. at the end of the day the male gaze still decides a lot of our lives yeah and so at the it's it's not this thing of like well, great, because now someone will sexually harass me and I can leverage it. And it's like, no, it's nothing like that. It's just like we can't undo all the Disney movies and, like, all the magazine, all the, like, 17 magazine, here's your body. Like, we can't undo all that shit with, like, a really good Beyonce song, you know?
3: Well, and I imagine people saying this, it feels... Good in the moment. And this is the weird thing with like talking about weight. And uh, I've talked with some guests about eating disorders before, and people have been in recovery. God it's, damn it. Do
6: you want me to do no, something? No, 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 I'm just kidding.
3: <laughs> no, because it's, no, I think it's I'm really kidding. good to talk openly. And it, I've always been afraid of talking about it because I. I've never had an eating sort of like I have my control comes out in like addiction and um, substance abuse, but dope, but uh, yeah,
6: great, 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 <laughs> super
3: fun and very chill. Um, No, but it, no pun intended.
6: <laughs> oh my God.
3: It's hard to talk about because there's this in between space, like kind of what you're talking about where you live in where it's. It's not like, not to be like, it's not full blown eating disorder, but no, you're and feeling that's, that's kind
6: of where I live. Go ahead. Yeah, well, you're
3: feeling the, like the positive part of like losing weight, which is uh, also a thing some people do and take control of in a good way, right? That's a positive. Uh, if you have a goal and you want to lose weight, not that you have to, but if you wanted to and you got that goal, that it could be a very good feeling and if people are complimenting you that's a good feeling but then like what do you do if you're like happy on both both ends and all of it or
6: you were happy before and now people are complimenting you and that's the thing is people are so overwhelmingly like god damn you look incredible like (laughs) like my pilates teacher was like shit you look fucking (sighs) good and it's like you're combining that with the fact that I've literally grown up on the idea mm-hmm. that being thin and defined and mm-hmm. like having a really restricted diet is the best case scenario Hey good buddy, give us money give money give us some money
2: give us some money.
3: That was Marlena Rodriguez. Very, very funny. Go follow her. This next clip, uh, I've really enjoyed doing this episode because um he is a person that I've known pretty much since I've started doing comedy. He he's I consider him my mentor um in many ways. He literally taught me improv 101. Um, and we had such a great conversation, and he's sort of been a source of advice and guidance and just like inspiration throughout my entire um I say entire like I've been around for a long time but you know I know in the grand scheme of things I am very green um so anyways but he's been that for me throughout the entire time I've been doing comedy um so I just on many levels enjoyed this conversation but also appreciate how honest he got um this is with the guest is Anthony Atamanick um star of the president show uh he he does a fucking fantastic impression of Donald Trump um very sad that all the funny cartoonist cartoonish nightmarish <laughs> traits are true about the president um but when we're just talking about comedy wise great comedian but fucking terrifying that he he nails it spot on for all the bad stuff um but anyway so I had Anthony on the show when I went to New York um it was just he was just so honest I I couldn't have asked for a better interview um yeah I was just so humbled to have been able to talk to him this person I admire so much and call a friend and yeah so in this clip we get into sort of the idea of um toxic masculinity from the male side from the male perspective and talk about why um it sort of god I hate that word prison but it is it's kind of a prison for both men and women so we just talk about that, and I've really found this um, discussion refreshing, specifically this clip where I felt that we were both just kind of like not bullshitting and just being honest with with each other um, like humans, <laughs> which you don't see on online arguments a lot. Um, so yeah, so enjoy that clip. Here it is. You were a victim of this, but it's harder for men to talk about it because of all the antagonism. Now, but, but and it's not all totally, you know, false. Obviously, there's a lot of yeah. um, toxic masculinity that affects women as well, and I think they should voice all of that. But Almost yes, all, it,
2: all of it. Yeah. yeah, but
3: there's men who become victims of that as well, and it's it's hard because if they think, try to yeah. talk about it, I- immediately there's a pitchfork mentality of like, oh, yes. well, what do you know? You weren't a woman.
2: Well, and I think the other thing, yes, I agree with that, and I think it's also about people going to their corners. Like that's the other thing is like men don't need to. I mean, you know, there doesn't need to be some public men's group that's like, "What about us?" We we could just do it quietly. We don't need to like steal back. I mean, that's part of the problem, right? We want to steal back the spotlight. Yeah. I make think sure. it both exist.
3: I think there's a the fallacy in a lot of MRA groups is that wh- feminism cannot ex- coexist with uh, men's rights. So there's a lot of like, "Oh, women are talking yeah. about this, but they're ignoring us," instead of just right. like. Oh, if we help them, maybe they can help us, and right. we can all talk. And well, I
2: think men's rights is the problem. Is men's rights have been co-opted by incels and sort of yes. is essentially a new right-wing, you yeah. know, pool for bullshit? <laughs> I think that it's more about like w- looking at now, still, what are the things we reinforce? You know, when we say yeah. terms like "man up," when we yeah. call a man a bitch, right? When we call a woman a bitch, like. I get that there's colloquialisms and I don't want to be some person who's, you know, I'm not a person who thinks anything should be censored. I don't give a shit. I don't think (laughs) that that is the answer. I do think though, that the way that we do it is by the people producing the work and what is sold and reinforced in media, just to land in media for a moment and say like, what do we show our young boys? And Mm -hmm. then, and, and what do we show our young girls? And like, why are we, especially at early ages why are we dividing boys and girls why are we so concerned about identifying genders and making sure that boys understand they have to be this way and girls have to understand they have to mm-hmm. be that way i think that like that's the root level and i think that there has to be a place where where some men not all men because obviously and this is always <laughs> going to be true people are going to look for excuses for their shitty behavior In the nail, I'll get a
3: That was Anthony Tamanik. I love him so much. Um, this next clip is with another guest I love very much. Um, since the womb, it's my sister. Um, so, you know, if you haven't heard, because you had, definitely have if you follow me, because I posted about it a lot. Uh, I turned 30 this year. Uh, I know, very brave of me to admit. Um, but I turned 30 this year and I have a twin sister. So she also turned 30. And for my birthday week, I interviewed her, so she's she lives in the L.A. I really just like look up to her, and she's um, someone who has been there for me f- my entire life. And I feel like we share experiences on a level that a lot of people um, just don't understand. And there's no problem with that. I think everybody has different relationships, but there's something about like you know growing up with someone from literally second one, right, or negative second one because we were in the womb together. Um, that is cool so we also do have differences Um, so we talked about many things I mean her confession was um, kind of a funny one about how she thought she could control her period with her mind but we got into a very real place um, and I like this clip because this is sort of the first time me and her really talked about um, our like struggles in high school as adults so I think we were both like aware and we both like talked about it in our art and in the work that we do but never just kind of like a conversation like this honest um so I felt like this wasn't like it wasn't performative if that makes sense like I know so much about her yet I still learned a lot about her through and myself through doing this podcast with her um specifically we talked about her um, experience with having an eating disorder in high school how I was not fully, um, uh, aware. Is that the word I was looking for? I feel like there's another word sentient. I don't know. I wasn't fully aware of it. Um, and then we kind of talked about how we were, we had similar experiences, but then like kind of forked off in two different ways, opposite extremes, um, to cope with sort of like the Abuse or you know emotional abuse that we went through as teenagers. Okay, so
7: it's heavy, but it's fun because you know we're fun. Okay, <laughs> enjoy this clip. Yeah, and then I remember feeling like okay, I really want to be normal, but I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop not eating. If that makes sense, like it was just it's a people you know people understand it's what an it addiction. is. Addiction. I'm sorry you went through that because you know to be honest, I didn't really know how serious it was at the time. I I
3: the way you're saying now, I'm like I remember you going to the doctor. I remember your. losing hair but i also remember you know i was in my own world dealing with my own stuff too and i think we both um had similar triggers and with different outcomes we were coping in different ways i think we both coped in different ways yes um but the okay do you want to hear my theory Wait, I want to hear what
7: you Oh, yeah, well, I want to, yeah, I'll try to wrap it Like I said, I I, I tend to ramble, but but basically (laughs) what happened was, well, long and short of it, I did get better, but the way I really got better was um, dance. Dance really saved my life because going to dance class, there were a couple of times where I got so dizzy, I had to sit out, like, Mm -hmm. across the floors, and then I was like, shit, like, I can't even dance, and this thing I love. And then also there was a moment I remember we were doing the sit-ups where you lie on the ground and you have your feet go up and down, Uh whatever they're called, Um, and I looked at my, hips and they were protruding and i freaked out and i was like that's crazy that looks not like my body and like i look like i'm dying so after that i was like i need to get better and then um then i don't remember you being that skinny uh, well it it wasn't like but that's why i'm saying it was like we were already skinny so Uh, it was was not a huge jump it was probably like 10 pounds less but um then i went to taiwan and i did the teaching trip uh and i remember that summer specifically it's weird thinking now because if i was a therapist i'd be like "Hmm," she was getting her confidence she went Mm -hmm. she went to taiwan she started teaching and she was starting to come into her own but i went she was away away from some triggers Uh, okay yes okay (laughs) i'm gonna gonna let you say your theory but let me say so when i was in taiwan i remember specifically thinking because that trip it was a volunteer trip and they fed us and it was really nice we had everything all included like we didn't have to spend too much um no no i think I don't know if we paid up front or whatever, but the point is we had food they gave us every day, um, and so I remember thinking I'm going to be good and eat this food because it's provided. It's be a way you know it was just there. I didn't have to buy it or anything. And then I did. Remember- you
3: always feel like you had to be good. Like was there? Who was telling you what was the good thing or the right thing? Yeah, to I know where
7: you're, you're trying to get at, but I want no, to finish this thought before I'm
3: say... Oh, I don't know. know. Yes, you're right. I'm, I'm, you have plenty of time, by the way. I feel you're, you're oh. rushing through this story, and that's fine. The hope this is an interview with you, and so you have plenty of time. I just like to ask about things that I hear that are interesting. So don't feel like you have to rush through it. Mm-hmm. But something you said did interest me. You say yes. it, you said um, you felt like it'd be good.
7: Yeah, I mean, you. I mean. Like i guess I should, say I should good, say more the right for to do, the yes. readers the listeners because i think i keep feeling like you know this but then i'm like oh duh because you grew up with me but yeah i mean i did feel like i always had to fit into yes that's how but i felt all my life that had to wanted to
3: do but there was some force out there being like this is the good thing and if you are step out of line oh, oh to happen. eat
7: uh like there's no, a
3: lot of, i think there's well, a lot of you right now i'm hearing like adhering to these like invisible rules like yes. who's setting these rules
7: uh mom no just, yeah maybe mom <laughs> i think a lot okay, of it elaborate. a lot of it was when we were growing up i think a lot of it was mom so you just felt
3: like there was this kind of invisible hand ready to slap down just uh, yes. went out of line okay. i literally went through i some can relate to
7: that yes literally went through some poetry yesterday i don't know why don't ask me why i sometimes just look through my old files because you're about to turn 30 that's uh, what you do yeah maybe I think I was looking for something, but um, but anyway, whatever. Somehow I found You're like <laughs> I was looking for a genius, and I'm like, that's not. Somehow that good. I found this old, um, my old free rides from like 2003, which I would have been it's eighth, eighth grade. grade, yeah. And there was one, and it was like, like bother, and it was like talked about this fly like uh-huh. persistent bother and like i was like the nagging voice and like my uh-huh. eyes are caking from crying with makeup it's not good poetry but uh <laughs> actually it's not bad actually when you read it. i was like this could be like an emily dickinson poem published in something um i feel uh-huh. like i was better at poetry in eighth grade than i am now um you know why i think teenagers who not all, but the ones who are good at poetry
3: are better when they're younger. we don't filter
7: ourselves when we're young. Well, that because your brain is literally developing, right? Yeah. So, like, poetry is, like, a
3: little abstract. It's the raw feeling, but through, like, words that don't necessarily go together. Uh-huh. And your brain
7: literally ha- doesn't know how to actually put words together. Yes, and you're in school, so you're constantly being educated and reading other poetry. I don't really... Unless you take the time now to read, like, you kind of dumb down your vocabulary. Hell go like chia. Money go long like nia. I ain't in the big idea.
2: That
3: was my sister, Jenny. Um, you should follow her on Instagram at housecat, a, at H-A-U-S-K-A-A-T. She's a DJ, musician. She posts cool dance videos. Um, honestly, I used to not introduce her to people because I was like, God, you guys are going to like her more. That's a joke. Um, I want the best for her. But um, it is a joke. I know. It sounds... I, especially with that heavy clip. That sound I just realized I'm like, that is what an emotional abuser would say. No, she's really great. Um actually she DJ, DJs a lot of comedy shows for my friends, um, who I've introduced her to. So, anyways, I'm gonna move on to this next clip, which is so delightful. Um, this comedian is Nick Turner, and he's so funny. He hosts his own podcast with Nick Vaderat, two Nick's hosting a podcast called Get Rich Nick. And he came on my show and talked about a time in New York when he did political theater and was infiltrated by the government. Um, But in this clip, we specifically just kind of talk about how people complain about problems and how they want you to react and um, how sometimes you feel like you don't know what to say because you want to fix it, but they really just want to be heard, which is something I really relate to because I often feel like I want to help be active and fix things but sometimes people just want you to listen so here's that clip
2: um so i just this is all i i'm ever gonna do again okay any story anybody complain about anything i'll be like damn your problems are the worst ones oh that's great (laughs) (laughs) you made me feel great
7: you just want
3: i think sometimes when people complain they really just want you to be like that's bad. Yeah, I'm so sorry. Yeah,
8: I sympathize with you. I, or I empathize uh, with you. I
3: empathize. That sucks. Um, do you want five dollars? Yeah. Um, you want to get some ice cream yeah. on you yeah, by yourself? Yeah, great. <laughs> 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 just I'm gonna just start giving people money when they, <laughs> when they tell me problems. <laughs> <laughs> five dollars. If I got five dollars every time $5? I complain to someone,
8: boy, <laughs> I might complain even more.
3: Or I guess it should be the opposite because my my um. Dog trainer tells me like when I when I'm supposed to get him to do good things instead of telling him not to do the bad things I'm just supposed to reward the good which is really hard because it's mm. easier to be like don't do that don't sit down when I'm walking you right so maybe instead of giving people $5 when they complain I'll do nothing when they complain and then when they tell me good news I'll give them $5
2: yes. I mean 100% <laughs> that would change the world
6: Hey could better give us some money for some money
3: that was nick turner guys um this next clip is with comedian steph to she is so funny and uh when she recorded this podcast she was about to get a dog she has since gotten a dog and it's the cutest dog the dog's name is susan it's a golden retriever puppy if you guys like puppies and if you don't I don't know what's wrong with you. Um, If you guys like puppies, go follow her on Instagram if you're not already following her um, because she posts pictures of the puppy. So that's not what we talk about, though. What do we talk about? Well, I enjoyed this clip. (laughs) I thought it was a real fun one because we talked about road rage and we kind of talked about uh, why people get angrier in their cars than they do in real life, why they feel emboldened to act like assholes and um what would happen if all cars have guns um spoiler it would not be good anyways here's that clip uh i used to i don't think this will ever happen but i've literally been like i feel like people would drive better if like you were allowed like cars were like bees like you were allowed to like just like ram into one car like one time and like everybody would be fine yep like and your car would be fine. You wouldn't get, you know, if everyone had that once, because then, would then everyone be nice. would be driving like a little bit more scared. Because mm-hmm. you're like, you don't know if the person behind me has, still has their one, one
9: hit. <laughs> oh, Yeah, Yeah, that, that's actually a very good idea.
3: Or there should be like uh, honks that don't just honk, but are like, excuse me. Or like something just yells yeah. a rude thing. Very
9: rude. I would, uh, yeah. <laughs> or I would like to, like the roadway are right here is so bad. Though. I would like to punch one person. <laughs> just get out in the middle of traffic. Everyone can see me just go to their window, just punch them. It's too much. Again, it's the, <laughs> anger, again. <laughs> the
4: anger.
3: It's road rage. I watched uh, uh, it when I learned how to drive. They showed us a video about road rage. And I still have the image in my mind because they're like, you know, don't don't piss people off on the road because you never know when someone's like going to have road rage. And the video they showed was this guy getting out of his car with a baseball bat like like so mad because yeah. he got cut off. And I was like, oh, no. <laughs> so yeah, scary. it's bad.
9: And out here, too, like a lot of my friends when they're driving me, they get kind of scared because my road rage can't get out of control. And they're like, they could have a gun. I'm like, that's actually very true. Like, that, that's the one thing that well, freaks me like, out. Oh, yeah, but... I don't... Like, I, that might not happen, but, like, <laughs> if I piss somebody off enough... I'm also thinking of getting a vanity license plate, which <laughs> I probably shouldn't. Uh-huh. What would it say? Um, well, I, a, a while ago, I posted this thing. I, like, put my name into Wikipedia. Uh-huh. Steph Tolev. And then it said... I pressed enter, and it said, did you mean... Step oh, Toilet. Oh, yes, I saw... Th- yes, so that was <laughs> the funniest thing that I've ever seen in my life. So I'm going to get S Toilet as my, oh my gun. <laughs> <That's laughs> and also just because I think it's hilarious to be cut off in traffic and me By flipping S- the finger and then S Toilet. That's so annoying. <laughs> That's such a stupid thing. But I'm like, people are going to be able to find me way better if I cut
3: them off. I know people act differently in cars because if... You're talking about if someone had a gun, but if cars had guns, like if you could fire... A gun oh, yes. from your car, no, pe- everyone would be dead. Every
9: single person. Like, the horn was a gun and, the, yeah, and then, like, a bullet like, like, shot out. Yeah,
3: give a Because it's, like, yeah. kind of anonymous,
9: mm-hmm. but
3: everyone's different. Like, you're just different when you're in your car. Like, are you like that in real life? Do you yell at people and get mad when you're, if someone pisses you off? I do.
9: I'm pretty aggressive, but I, I honestly think that, like, now that I'm really thinking about all this, like, built-up anger stuff that you were saying, too, but I'm like, I think I just let it all build up until I get in the car, and then, like, uh-huh. that's the release to take it out because I'm like, I know I'm alone. <laughs> and I know I can yell as loud as I can. Like, there's been times in traffic where I am yelling so loud. And then I'll kind of catch myself and start laughing. And then I'll look over and see somebody in their car like laughing at me. And I'm like, oh, this is crazy. Why you
6: pissed? Why you pissed? Why you Tell me why you piss Why you,
10: pissed? Why you pissed?
7: That
3: was Steph to Love. Um, this next clip but is with Noah Finlayn, very funny comedian. Do you guys notice pattern? Everyone's very funny because I just think everyone's funny. But these people are all are truly very funny. And you should go catch them all live if you have a chance. Um, Noah Finlayn is um delight. And he had a very serious confession and was very honest because he was in the middle of going through it. Since then, I'll let you guys know that it all worked out. Um, Him him and his girlfriend, because he told a story about how him and his girlfriend moved in together into a cockroach-infested place. They're still together and very strong. So, um... It was kind of a cool story to hear, sort of like the beginning of it, and then being able to track sort of how they got stronger and closer through it. But this clip is um, him telling me this tactic he uses when he's stressed out about problems and when he gets anxiety and what he does. Um, this is from Noah Finlay on how he deals with problems when it when he thinks they're irrational. Here it is.
11: Um, also, my brother has a. We he's kind of his therapist taught him this thing that i really like if you like treat all your problems like a court like a like they're in court oh okay and you would be like okay uh first <laughs> case is uh noah well, um let's see one of my many anxieties noah's uh not n- nobody likes noah at work Uh uh-huh and then you're like okay if you were a a lawyer you'd be like okay what evidence do i have to show the judge of that and you'd be like nothing i don't have anything (laughs) to show that and you'd be like uh okay maybe i shouldn't worry about this oh
3: i like that analogy i've never heard that
11: because you're it's true it's like if i had evidence if the lawyer was like well this person said this and this and they behave this way and i can be like okay that's reasonable now what is the verdict go talk to that person Uh uh-huh or get out of that situation you know make make a choice um and if there's no evidence then you're like this is in my head i'm spiraling you know
3: yeah Um, no that's a great way of putting it yeah because also i I, yeah i don't want to um write off all feelings because sometimes yes you are in situations sometimes where people are around you are doing stuff yeah but i think then you can come to that conclusion you Uh can say well uh, the evidence is all here so i shouldn't be in the situation (laughs) i should probably leave and if i don't Leave it's my fault. Yeah. This
2: shit is a girl blonde. I only smoke girl blonde. This shit is a girl blonde. I only smoke girl blonde.
3: This shit is a girl blonde. I only smoke That was Noah Finlay. So lovely. Um he is an uncle now. I only know that because I actually met him through his brother who I did New York with. or sorry, who I did comedy with in New York. Didn't do New York with. I guess I did do New York with him. Um, Very funny comedian from New York City um, who had a baby, Ari Finley. Check him out. Okay. Wow. What do I want to tell you guys about next? This next clip. Oh, another lovely comedian and writer um, and former co-worker slash boss, Daniel O'Brien. We worked together at Cracked. He was one of the first friends I made in L.A. when I first moved here. Just like the most compassionate funny, smart, so smart, so sharp, um, nice, nicest man. And, uh, we had a fun conversation. Um, he showed up prepared with a notebook. I thought it was the best. Um, yeah, I, we had so many moments in this conversation where I was like, wow, that's really like, it makes me, because him and I are different like we're friends, but I fundamentally we see the world differently. We, and, but we were being honest. There were many moments when I like felt like I learned something, and then it shifted my point of view. And I love that. Specifically, in this clip, we talked about um, why it's so important to say what you want, to ask for what you want as an adult, um, and why it is hard, and why sometimes it feels easier to prioritize somebody else's feelings, um, but why that ultimately does not benefit either of you so here's that clip enjoy do you do that though like do you often put other people's knees before yours to a point where you're like oh no I sh- I'm now unhappy and I shouldn't I th- have done that
1: probably I think I, th- I think I do that too much I mean like I, I, I far be for me to be to, to I don't know that just sounds like I'm boosting myself up about just like sometimes I'm too kind to everyone <laughs> and uh I don't know you've you, you've interacted with me does that seem like a thing <laughs> well
3: i mean i think a lot of uh comedians are like and also especially people we worked with because like, we're, we're like i think at our heart we want to be good people but sometimes when you prioritize other people it can almost end up being like I, in my personal experience i've done this in relationships where i've been like okay i need to make sure everyone else is happy but then i'm not doing what i want and then ultimately what people want is for you to be happy too
1: right and it it, it makes it uh it can make it impossible to be around me, I know. I mean, I've, it's something that I've worked at for, for years and years, but it's always a, a, been a struggle in like romantic relationships where mm-hmm. I do the, the thing, which is wrong, which is stay silent and prioritize the other person's feelings. And then five months later, I'm very resentful. And the partner's like, yeah. why? I was like, because we always did this for you and we always did that and we always did this. I didn't ask you to do that. No, you didn't.
3: Oh man.
1: <laughs> but I did it anyway and now I'm mad.
3: That's my, my fear now is when people aren't going to say what they want, but I, this is something I've learned in therapy. My therapist was like, you have to just trust that the other person's an adult. And if they're not, they will figure that out. And that's so hard for me because sometimes I'm like, they're not, and Mm -hmm. they, I know that they don't want this, but, uh, I think the only way for them to learn is for them to realize they can't get what they want until they ask for it. So, yeah, it's def- definitely very tough. Um but I've started recently in the last year like practicing that for myself, like asking for what I want. Mm-hmm. It's very scary at first because it's weird to be like I want this, even if it, it's not actually like even if it hurts you, but that's what I always feel like I'm right. implying like even if you don't. Yeah. But really it's like and then I'll wait for you to tell me what you want. Right.
7: And hopefully we'll find something that works for both of us. That sounds healthy. the
4: say, say bitch, say bitch, say
7: say say
12: say bitch. I am what you get between a Texas and a bay, bitch. Way bitch. Now I'm in LA, bitch. Catch me out of traffic, I'll be riding in the latest, made it. I fucking stereotype used to fucking carry a knife hit a lick like every night now i'm living paradise gambled like a paradise better than one dollar bank accounts that
3: was daniel o'brien um so lovely emmy award-winning now i mean i think that happened after we recorded so pretty cool um so continuing the train of talking about your feelings and what you want um I had Emma Willman on, who's a very funny comedian, recently moved from New York City. So hilarious. Um, she came by and talked about uh, a time when she pooped her pants as a child but this clip specifically is not about poop if you guys want to hear the poop story it is funny you can go listen to the full episode but we actually talked about uh, a way that she handles her anxiety when it comes to talking about her feelings in relationships and sort of the uncomfortable feeling of like expressing that somebody hurt your feelings and how to create a safe space because you know if you're with someone for a long term you can't just be avoidant you gotta deal with it So she had a really funny tactic that I actually love and I totally want to use, but I have not yet because I'm still, uh, single and alone forever. Um, no, I'm actually very happy, happy to be, uh, happy to be alone. Um, but yes, I haven't had a chance. I have to talk about my feelings getting hurt because, um, nobody's hurt my feelings. So here it is it depends like in the past
12: i haven't been i've not said if like in a relationship i won't say if something bothers me now i try to be good about that where i'll be like like and how i started doing it is i would say um can we have a business meeting
3: oh i love that yeah oh my gosh that's great because it's like can we talk
12: is so loaded (sighs) and i hate if girls say that to me like we talk and i'm like. And then I have to listen to to that whole. (laughs) A
3: woman talking is so exhausting.
12: You know, so when I'll do it, I'll say. You're
3: like, can you tell me this? But pretend to be a guy on a chat room. And then I'll listen to (laughs) it. Yeah, that really gets my attention. Don't ask questions.
12: (laughs) But if you say, can I, because it's like a business meeting. It's like, pause. Let's get emotion out of it. I'll be like. Hmm okay, like I felt like it hurt my feelings when this happened. Am I – where were you coming from with that? And then that will help.
3: That's so – like I love that. I might have to use that for future
12: relationships. Go for it. It, So comedians seem – I've mentioned some Uh comedians, they usually like it. Like they're like, oh, that's a really good idea. Oh, Um, the other people are like, fuck this, sociopath. Well, kind of, yeah, because – We have a business meeting. I mentioned my – when I first started dating my girlfriend, I was like, you know, when we – if we ever feel like we need to talk about something, like safe space anytime, Uh talk about it. But just so we have, like, a heads up, why don't we call a business meeting? And she was like, or or we could just, like, talk to each other. (laughs) And I was like, right. But, like, we could. And then there was, there was, I remember one time. She's not a comedian? No. So there was one time, (laughs) I forget, it was, like, we talked. And then, like, a couple minutes later, she called and said something that I was like, whoa, whoa, whoa. I was like, wait, wait, wait. This is like a business meeting type conversation. Like, where did this come from? Like, we got to <laughs> sit down like, and like have a little like, so we can have con- safe space context here.
3: Yeah. But
12: yeah, I have comedians definitely are into it. Um, normal people
3: are just
6: like, not as much. say
12: it when you mean it. Right. Like they're yeah. like they're like well that's what a relationship is is just talking to the
4: person.
3: But it, I, gosh, I don't know because it's like you know I've gotten texts, serious texts at work and I'll be like you know, I, I want yeah I th- want to respond to this w- in a thoughtful time. way yes, and exactly. respectful. But if I do, my brain's gonna be in a different place and that's exactly. not respectful for my work. And then so I'll just have to be like let's talk later. But then it does seem like I'm like ignoring that. Right. The truth is I just want to be like in the right place. Absolutely. Give my full attention and honestly a part of it is I do want to express myself. Well, and sometimes I think like, oh, if I'm caught off guard, I'll say something dumb.
12: Which is actually really good because you're not responding impulsively. That's true. Because that's
3: bad. Like if
12: you... Because if you respond to something quickly and if you respond out of fear or anger, it's much more likely you're gonna regret it. You're never gonna yeah. be like, oh, I'm so glad I didn't even think before I sent that. <laughs> you know? want see your body off, I'm quick, your lips off, huh? Rock that you yeah. Let's Got a big boy, pull it out.
3: That was Emma Wilman. Um, I have a couple more clips. I hope you guys are having a great day, by the way. I don't know if you celebrate Christmas, but if you do, I hope you're having a Merry Christmas. Or if you say this to listen to after christmas um i hope you had a merry christmas or um, a happy hanukkah i know that already passed but i hope you had whatever holiday you're celebrating or if you don't celebrate and you're just like at work going about your day as usual know that i too work throughout my holidays um whether people ask me to or not that's just like how i function so i'm with you i hope you're having a good day okay this next clip um new york comedian look i lived in new york so half of the comedians on this show probably lived in new york but it doesn't matter i don't know why i need to tell you they're from new york i just think it's cool because i used to live there and that's how i know this guy um this guy one of the first comedians i met when i started doing stand-up um i guess he's technically from chicago and now he lives in la so i should stop telling people he's from new york kenny deforest so funny so lovely um Watch a set, late night set. It's online. Uh, his Seth Meyers set. But that's not what's what this clip is about. No, this clip is all about why um, men, specifically, not all men, but this sort of the context, you you know, of this conversation was him and his guy friends growing up would um, kind of like chase cars and and kind of get into trouble for the adrenaline rush. So we kind of t- talk up about the biological stand. Um, biological motivation for little boys wanting to sort of like push that physical uh, adrenaline and uh, yeah I don't know I I thought this was an interesting point because I actually think as an adult I wish that I pushed my body more but I don't think it was very instinctive for me to do so so now sometimes I'm worried that I would die in a war this is Kenny DeForce Enjoy. But I, I think that what you just said, like, sounds like a, it totally makes sense. This is probably very common with teenage boys yeah. I and mean, even girls. Like, but we would, you know, whatever our adrenaline rush was like going to talk to boys. I guess we we're a little bit more, not mature, but like our brains were like ahead, So we we're like, let's go try to talk to boys. Yeah. But boys are pushing that line. Like, yeah.
13: Boys just, are so stupid. We just have to like prove there's something biologically where we have to prove our physical, uh, ability. You know, uh-huh. and so it's like fighting, it's sports, sure. but it's also like, I'm going to generate almost a hunting scenario. Like, oh, yeah. am I able to flee danger? I'm like there's something biologically where we have to know that. Like, it's huh. just, if I'm being chased across the great plains by a buffalo, <laughs> what am I, what, what skill set am I dealing with? How long can I run this fast? You know?
3: Yeah. I've uh, never thought of that, that that is really well put like you're literally trying to like you're training a little you're conditioning that sort of fight or flight response
13: yeah we are animals and we forget <laughs> that all the time there are things that we do that make no sense at yeah. the time but at the time it feels totally logical this is what you should be doing no one else understands <sighs> and then you look back even two years later three years later because you changed so much from 16 sure. to 18 from 18 to 20 and you look back and you go, what was that? Like, wh- I don't. What, what was the motivation there? How did that end up in my head?
3: It's like watching when cats are alone and then they just start going, and then like fighting <sighs> with a yarn ball. And then they like push it aside and then jump on it. And you're like, what, is, what are you doing?
13: Yeah, what do you think that is? <laughs> it's so funny. Like,
3: I need to attack something. Cat.
13: Yeah, cats are a great example. <laughs> cat, a cat will be like borderline asleep. And then for no reason, it'll just be sprinting around <laughs> yeah. and chasing nothing. That was Kenny
3: DeForest. Um, we have just a few more clips left. Oh, and then you got to go back to your family. And I hope that they're nice to you. Um, I'm actually recording this before I go back to my family. So... I think I'm going to go see them tomorrow. So that'll be interesting. I hope I make it back alive. Um, this next clip is with comedian Nori Reed. She is so funny. I got to come up with better adjectives, but that's just truly really what I think. Everybody I have on the show, I'm like, you're so funny. Come on, come do my show. Um, but she just moved to LA from the Bay Area, and I we just I just love her so much. We have such great, honest conversation. It's really cool to sort of have someone from the Bay Area who even though I didn't start comedy there I grew up there so there's a lot of sort of like shared experiences that we can talk about but this clip we talk specifically about um sort of the nuances within Asian culture like not you know not Asian as this like broad term but like within the Asian community there are these like there is I mean I don't know how else to say it but kind of racism between Asians um pride nationalism maybe I could say nationalism because it's not really racism it's not rooted in race um but it's kind of rooted in this like nationalism and we talked about that and we talked about how that affected us and our view of each other and it was really interesting so enjoy
10: but yeah you lose a lot when you when you are separated that way from like half of you or like you know like who like you know who you are
3: and then you feel it especially um being in uh trying to make it in hollywood now where they're like okay great we want asians do you speak this can you do martial arts i'm like i was trying to be white
10: yeah it's like (laughs) wait what (sighs) Ah. i know i actually just wrote for i mean this is local it was for this um we have a sketch a sketch company in San Francisco called Killing My Lobster. Uh-huh. and I wrote for a show called Model Minority Report. and oh, it, it was great. an all Asian cast, all you know all Asian writers. And it was you know, it was interesting being in the room because it was like, you know, so much like Asian kind of culture. And mm-hmm. I think as a mixed person, I definitely almost was feeling re not i I hate the word triggered. I think it's such a stupid, <laughs> I hate that shit. but. Yeah, it was definitely activated in terms activated. of just like activated, right? <laughs> Sounds uh, activated. like some sort
3: of secret powers. Right?
10: <laughs> my my that that
3: release the plutonium.
10: <laughs> that like that stuff was definitely touched in terms of just like, oh man, like I don't really get some of these references or I uh-huh. don't really. And it just it brought me back to that feeling of like, you know, I I tried to go to Korean um, language school. Oh, I asked, yeah. okay. so I asked my oh, mom, asked. how old it, were you? when? You I asked. think I was probably 15. Okay. And I asked if I could at the a local Korean church, guess where? Clarksville. <laughs> Clarksville, <laughs> bitch. Oh my God. I was like, can I go to Clarksville during the summer and take these things, take this class? And it was, it was hard. It was too, because at that point, I felt too far away to mm. even begin to try to learn this like language gotcha. that's not even. I, what's the word? Is phonetic versus? I don't know that.
3: Oh, stuff, um, yes, because it's not words. using the letters. It's using yes, like
10: the image. Yeah, yeah it's a completely different called, language. But... Much more intuitive, but it's, it's
3: Slavic. Well, it's from. They're all kind of derived from Arabic. Yeah, right, A lot of the Asian and, languages.
10: And Korean is actually uh, the only language... In, well, I don't know if this is true, but that's the propaganda that they told us. So in Korean uh-huh. language school, they told us that Korean was created by a person.
3: Yes, yeah. that is true. But mm-hmm. I'll add on to that the propaganda I was told because <laughs> I'm... T- Taiwanese Chinese which is that Korean was created by a person who combined Japanese and Chinese that's true
10: <laughs> wait I forgot the second part that's so well, funny well it's funny
3: sp- talk about spinning things wow. from one side it's a point of pride from the other yeah. side it's a point of pride that we were the originals. so it's I like which like, is it I feel <laughs> like
10: that's like Forever 21 being like look like we made this and ah. someone's like well you made this from <laughs> a Philip Limb. that's like, so funny yeah
3: yeah and I, I mean yeah propaganda whatever you're told I mean I was told my my mom and in my mind for the longest time i didn't have a lot of korean friends in the bay area growing up and i really did think oh korea is a combination of chinese and japanese culture so i've got it i don't need to learn it i know what it is (laughs) but the real
10: the reality is that japanese stole a lot of culture from From korea
3: oh yes but they also stole from
10: yeah <sighs> so like a lot of the architecture and like even the yeah. geisha stuff is like mm. actually Korean. Oh really? Well, well they've again, all kind of taken needed, from an, an, They've, they've all taken stuff true. from each other. I think right. um
3: J- J- Japan is so interesting because Japan was so like I don't say evil, that's not the right word, but they were like um you know, a f- imperial whatever. They they yeah. were a war country and they took mm-hmm. and but then they did it they re- adapted to their own culture so well, yeah. like Japanese art is so beautiful and it's its own thing, but it does take a lot from other cultures. Yeah. Um, but it's become its own thing.
10: Well, a lo- so it's yeah, a lot of healing has happened between Korea and Japan yes. recently. But back in the day, like my grandmother, for example. Mm-hmm. So when I did go to I did go to Korea, right? I learned chopsticks. I went to Korea, yeah, and I and I was eleven or twelve, and I learned um, so much. And basically, my grandmother. She hated like anything Japanese, so she wouldn't yeah. have any Japanese appliances. She wouldn't allow, and she had this whole theory that um Japanese people were coming to Korea to steal like kimchi <laughs> and kimchi recipes. This was like her thing; like she was really talk about appropriation. Of yeah. Like
3: that is what the Asian countries are doing to each other. But this is also like wartime. So yeah, because
10: well, she gr- she grew up in a post you know yeah uh, war culture. And uh, experienced it, and it, it's very, very real to them that kind of yeah My grandpa is, was yeah. the
3: same, he hated Japan. and I, um, I remember meeting a friend in college who was Korean and she was saying and she like hung out the k-town crowds so all her friends are korean and she's kind of just drunk saying this, not like totally being racist <laughs> but she was just saying like yeah you know the best asians it's korea china oh and um and then japan shit. at the bottom yeah. but then i was like that's so funny because if you ask a chinese person they're like yeah china japan korea or whatever like they're all yeah. like put themselves first and then depending on who they hate the most they're just at the bottom <laughs>
10: Exactly.
3: read um this next clip i had improviser and writer and funny actress sydney steinberg um she's so so funny this is one of the most downloaded episodes of the year i believe so um she was so honest she and and so it was so cool to hear her talk about her journey because you truly see like she changed her of view not like during the course of the episode like she did the work but she did the work before but it was cool to see like she was this person who was very insecure about her relationship and then it totally like she totally did all this work and now she's like in a stable healthy relationship it's really cool um but in this clip we talked about why we stay in bad situations and why we repeat patterns and um well I always get iffy talking about this um but I actually mentioned it in the clip, so I won't go into it too much. But I, I you know, I, I just express that um, it's helped me from. So this comes from a very personal place. Sometimes when I say things and I'm too broad, I, I get like at I get added at added replies. I get reply guys, but there are sometimes women um, online. This happens when I go on platforms that aren't my fans, which is fine. I like that. I like to be broad, but people will be like, "Oh, she doesn't know what she's talking about because of this, and I'm like, I've always been very clear I don't know what I'm talking about. I'm just coming from um, my own experience and my own honesty, and hopefully people can relate, but it's not the right answer for everyone. Um, why did I go on that tangent? oh because <laughs> because i um because this helped me. The the feeling of empowerment helped me get out of a bad situation. So that's what I talk about here. But I recognize that not everybody is ready to leave a bad situation. And I'm not trying to victim blame. People are not, it's not their fault. Um, But this did help me. So I tried to shift the narrative a bit. And anyways, here is that clip. Enjoy.
7: I've gotten better because of therapy, but I'll
3: see like patterns that have repeated in my past. I'm like, okay, well, it's not. Not to like blame myself, but yeah, kind of at a certain point, if I'm repeating a pattern, even if someone's hurting me, like there is something I need to do to figure out why I'm drawn to that. Yeah. Oh my God. Totally.
4: Like, why did I date this horrible guy for (laughs) so long and move in with him? That's fully on me. I mean, he's not great, but I stayed there. Right. But there's
3: something that made me not leave. Yeah. Yeah that's the whole thing like boundaries I guess yeah oh boundaries it's hard to talk of sometimes I'll talk about it too broadly with someone who doesn't go there and then it sounds like I'm victim blaming and that's why I get so like uh dicey about it but mm-hmm. I I do really think it's it puts power in your shoes if you're it like does. oh it's my choice to get out of a bad situation
4: yeah still
7: their fault for being an oh, asshole for sure but
3: I have a choice oh 100% like yeah
4: I remember, like, being in this bad relationship and being, like, just make it a year. Like, it's uh-huh. too embarrassing if you leave before a year. Uh-huh. And, like, that's, if I had just, I fired my therapist uh, uh-huh. during this time. Oh, man.
3: You were, like, I don't want to hear any yeah. dissenting voices. Well, I didn't. Yeah. part of you knew that. Oh, I fully knew right. that was yeah. horrible.
4: Um, And so, during that time, if I had just been talking to someone about that, like, I've could have been like, this is insane. Who cares what anyone thinks? Like, I need to leave.
3: And also, I've done that before too, but like not exactly that, but just the idea of like, well, maybe we'll see to the holidays or whatever. But that's insane (laughs) because if you already know it's not gonna be forever yeah, like why wait like, oh my god <laughs> so
4: insane I remember texting my friend being like I'm moving in with this guy and she replied you literally just told me like he's not your person like oh, no. what are you doing and I was like um I changed my mind <laughs> even right, though I you backpedal. yeah, I I've totally done that back- where oh. I'm like
3: fully out of it. all my friends hate this person and I'm yeah. like yeah, we're we're back together yeah. and like everything's cool. I'm like, yeah, just pretend you don't know about yeah. all that stuff. It's still all there, but yeah. just we're gonna override oh.
4: it with new oh. memories.
3: <laughs> that's not how that yeah. works.
4: Nope, no, no, no
9: type of bitch. I need the money and compassion. Little spoil bitch. Yeah, I get a lot of that. I'm always down to ride, but these niggas never loyal back. Talking about he nervous because he never got a follow back. Clout chasing, they niggas will paper. Hating on the bitch. the same bitch that he laid with. I can't trust him. I can't love him, so I duck him. Keeping me rotation, so I never have to suffer. Focus on my goals, so I never have to struggle. They hate it when you're busy and you get into the bag. I even cuss some bitches
3: off. I thought we were friends, but they was mad. That was Sydney Steinberg. Um, Did you like how much I over? Explain myself before that clip. I really would love to know if if you're like a regular listener and something I say doesn't resonate or you disagree. Actually, want to know because it would be crazy if everybody agreed with me all the time. I don't want that at all. But I do want to challenge myself, um, which I do think I challenge myself by talking to some of these guests who have different opinions than me. But um, sometimes, you know, if you're a listener, you might feel like you don't have a voice, and you do you can always email me tellmeanythingpod at gmail.com you can at me on instagram or twitter i mean don't show up at my door but you really i'm pretty accessible otherwise at larisa t -T l-e-r-e-s-a-t-e-e or at tellmeanythingpod um i know earlier i kind of like hinted at people um getting mad at me for things when i'm on other people's podcasts and i guess i'll fill you guys in because confidants you've been with me all the way so i um I can tell you this. I can be honest. Um, I went on my Good Buds podcast daily. zeitgeist, like guys who I love so much. Um, I've been on it a couple of times. Some of you guys may have even have found me from there. Um, and, you know, it's a big, bigger podcast than this. So I don't need to promote it. You guys all probably know what it is. Um, but I, one of my myths that I dispelled recently was that NPD, Narcissist Personality Disorder, is different from narcissism with a lowercase n the way like you know the New York Times or the Atlantic or whatever talk about how narcissism with a lowercase n is affecting our culture and and it it bothers me only because I've very closely dealt with and people with NPD and I very much do empathize with them and I do think that uh, I don't know I, I don't know what I said to piss people off I mean I can imagine that People have strong feelings about this. So there's nothing wrong with that. But I, I, some people got mad that they, they were like, oh, she needs to do a research or this is really dangerous because it's actually really hard for people with NPD to get help. And I know that. I actually am not shitting on them. I just am saying that, that it's different. The only thing I was trying to say was that NPD is different from narcissism with a lowercase n, which I still stand by. Those two things are different and they get conflated and it makes it really hard for people who have actual mental illness to get help because it's conflated with all of these like images we see on tv and movies right where they create narcissist characters that are caricaturized um they're not really human or they are glorified so that's what i was trying to say um i'm not gonna like reply back to any of these people online because i think they're just trying to yell into a void and that's fine if it makes them feel better but for my listeners if any of you guys were offended by that I want to have an open discussion um, because I've been going to a narcissist survivor group for a couple months now. I've been reading a lot about it. I listen to different lectures. um, And personally, I have an experience, a couple experiences with, um, you know, living with someone with NPD. um, And I, um, yeah, that's where my experience comes from. Again, I would not call myself an expert. I'm not a professional But I can tell you personally that I know a hundred percent I have met people with NPD and I don't think all media representation of them is correct. And I actually think a lot of it is really harmful and makes it harder for survivors um, to get help and also makes it harder for people with NPD to get help. Um, That being said, I still stand by what I said. If you a fuckboy is not a narcissist. Um, sometimes there is a Venn diagram, but people can be assholes and they can also not have a mental illness, but then there are people with mental illnesses. If you have NPD, if you have a personality disorder, you, um, may not be diagnosed because a lot of times you don't, people with NPD will not go get treatment. Um, but if you live around these people or know them, um, you can kind of tell based on, well, based on how you feel around them, based on what they do, their actions and the pattern. So I do stand by that. I think just like, even if you've never met someone with it, and this is the first time you're hearing about it and you're curious, like, I encourage you to go look it up because it, just being informed is really the first step towards, um, just like a healthier existence. Anyways, that's my little soapbox. I apologize if, uh, if I'm uninformed, um, You know, honestly, I feel like fairly informed on this subject, but I know I'm not an expert and I'm definitely not a doctor. So I'm not trying to tell you how to live your life. Um, Feel free to at me if you're an actual listener, if you found this through the Daily Zeitgeist just to scream at me. um, I don't know. Get a better hobby. Okay. We have two more. No, three more clips. Um, And these are all really great. I know there's no order of the clips, but these three are truly, really great. Great way to end 2019. So this next clip, uh, I have guest... guest and comedian Lamar Woods on he's so wonderful I just had the pleasure of getting to know him this year I think um he's just like so talented and funny and um just a very nice person like truly a nice empathetic person anyways that's not what I'm this podcast is about this podcast is about this clip and you know what we talk about in this clip we talked about masculinity um we talked about this like invisible pressure to lean into being masculine or feminine. Um, if you're a man or a woman sort of this heteronormacy and we talk, we kind of dissected it because we're both, I think pretty, um, comfortable being ourselves, but also aware, self-aware. Like there was this very weird element of self-awareness when Lamar and I talk because I think we both are, have strong personalities, but we also like want to see the other side. So, This is that clip. Um, Enjoy.
0: Well, there's also like, uh, it's also, you know.
3: You got to go back with your buddies, uh, wear your leather jackets, and (laughs) (laughs) top him on the way out.
0: I don't know. We got to like have a dance battle. You ride your
3: bicycle (laughs) up to him and be like, hey.
0: I could do a comedy set there. Maybe then, (laughs) maybe then I can like show him what I'm good at. Yeah. And that would. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> then that then he'll be like, oh, okay, I see, yeah. But right now it's just so like it's
3: just about respect. Like you don't feel like he respects you because you're like, oh, you're comparing yourself just on basis of muscle mass. But then well, you're like, well, I have this other thing that you don't. You have. You know what it
0: is? I think it's two things happening. It's a, I mean, tell if you can relate to this as a woman, but for a, a, there's a masculinity issue.
6: Uh-huh.
0: Uh huh. I think there is it. So there's all these men who are like really you know i guess the quote-unquote idea of what a man could should be or something uh-huh. like just physically and then i'm there and then it's like it's not an intentional like um it's not like they're they're like this it's not like they have a problem with me or like they're mm-hmm. looking at me in a certain way it's like i am it's like an invisible thing where you're like uh-huh. uh it's like they—they're just—they just move through. Like it's mm. like I'm not even there. Like like if I'm about to, let's say I'm about to walk to a machine, they—they'll just walk in front of me and sit there. Like it's oh. like I was never even going. It's like they didn't even see me. It's crazy. It's like I was—it's uh, like invisible. I mean, I mean, it's not as bad as like. the no. invisible man, but it is like that book, Invisible Man. <laughs>
3: um, you know, I I can kind of relate to that on the opposite end, and like I'll try to speak to that on the feminine feminine expectations. Cause I mm-hmm. think I feel that way too. Like I go back and forth between, you know, like I feel like I'm pretty femme, but I also like can be like a tomboy sometimes, which is, I right. think feel like we should get rid of that term. I can't, I can't imagine that that term is going to be around for long, oh, but yeah. for lack of better words, what an idea of a tomboy is, you know? Um, mm-hmm. But I always like, like quote unquote girly things growing up. Um, you know, I like to dress up. I like to used to go out in heels and dresses, But um, I think doing comedy and just being a little bit more like chill and not caring that much um, put me kind of, you know, in the middle. And then when I'm with my girlfriends who are very, very like femme and like really, it's not even being femme in a sense of like style, but more like lifestyle, right? Right, right. Like the things that they value in their life is to find a husband and to get like who has money and they'll talk about that openly. Like, Oh, so like I'm dating this guy and he makes this much and this guy, but he has a better job. So like just already, I see that they value that they value um, like kind of always looking pretty, having good homemaker skills. And when I hang out with them, it's, I mean, they accept me and we're all friends, but I do feel that invisible thing you're talking about, which is like, I either feel a need to like uh, talk up my, femme stuff like i have to be like i made dinner the other day and and just to like be like i also cook
0: right right yeah (laughs) even
3: though it's not important i bake the
0: pie i put it on a windowsill i'll like take
3: pictures of stuff like if i like decorate my apartment i'll like make sure i tell the group chat because i'm like they'll care about this and so i feel that invisible like pressure um but i also sometimes will feel it's not that it's not that i actually think they care it's almost like yeah i don't know it's almost like i see that they like that lifestyle and then by seeing that, I feel like I'm lacking something.
0: Yeah, it's so weird. I can't tell if it's like if it already existed, uh-huh. and my mind is like magnifying it, or if like the my parent my own insecurities like of like if I could just be the person, like be me mm-hmm. truly and not care, would I like actually? Do I need to do anything? Like, would uh-huh. it would it even make a difference? You know what I mean? Like, are they? Uh-huh. It's not like they. It's not like these guys would see me if well, so because I feel like my reaction, my instinct is to just instead of just like not caring or just uh-huh. like doing just doing my own thing. My instinct is to like like be up like like to put man, more to, to man up, more, yeah, yeah, put more weight on the thing <laughs> and be like and then do copy them, which mm. feels like disingenuous to me. So, mm-hmm. but it almost like I almost wonder if it, in their mind they're not even they're, they're not even thinking about me. <laughs> like <laughs> I'm pretty sure this whole so their this whole thing is happening in my head. That's my energy,
12: big, Never
4: let a fake
3: that was Lamar Woods. Um, go watch his movie. It's called "It's a Party." It's very funny. My DP that shot. Um, I think she likes you uh her name is carissa dorson she also shot that movie this next clip is with good friend and very funny comedian and timeout comic to watch last year jared goldstein um we talked about his um experience as a sort of teen teen actor teen pop star and um I didn't think this conversation was going to go this way, but we did end up kind of going this way. And this happens a lot when I talk to people who um, have similar relationships with their parents. Um, We just got into um, sort of like the, uh, the need to get safety from your parents and sort of like the moment we both realized it was time to let go and how that totally affected and changed our relationships for the better. So I hope you enjoy this.
8: So, I went on this commercial audition, and uh-huh. my inspiration, my acting inspiration, was Jennifer Aniston oh on my Friends. God. <laughs> and I was like, I'm going to do this, like, Smuckers commercial or whatever, uh-huh. how Jennifer Aniston on Friends as Rachel Green would do Aww. it. And that was, like, exciting to me. And I went and I did it, and I had so much fun, and I left. And then, and, and then, my, and then, mom, she was like, How'd it go? And I was like, Uh. And then we sat in all this traffic together, coming from Long Island yeah. to the city. And then we sat in all this traffic to go back and then she really lost her cool and she got so mad at me. And she was like, and this was like her stage mom moment. There were a few. uh, For the most part, like when people ask me, is your mom a stage mom? I'm always like, no. Um, And she also wasn't, but she had moments. Yeah. Yeah. Like anyone has mom, sure. You know what I mean? Um, but I'm still like defending. I'm still like an 11-year-old no, yeah, kid who's the, like, no, 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 no. She <laughs> just got mad this one time and she'll never do it again. And do, You know what I mean? Like that well, that's kind of the like- part
3: of you because your parents when you're a kid are your s- source of safety. Yeah. And so when you accept that, they're, like they're they're two dimensional people, but when you accept that they are also hurting you, it doesn't mean they're bad people. Yeah. But when you accept that, you're taking away the net that they are also your safety. Exactly. And so we always defend them because we don't want to live in their reality. Yeah. And you're also building
8: your own safety net. Well, that's that's what you should
3: always do. But the problem when you, um, when I, like as a kid, would always justify what, you know, my mom did is because I didn't want to live in a world where I accepted that she was no longer a viable source of safety. Yeah. Because then I'm like, oh, I've got nothing left. So I just keep being like, it's okay, I forgive her. So I'll just keep, Trying to get safety from her. Yeah. Oh my god. I literally feel
8: like I'm always doing that. Like just try. And I'm on the phone with her, and I'm like, I can feel it. I'm like holding my phone to my face, and I'm like, let me try. And it doesn't work. And I'm like, why do you keep stop trying? Stop trying. But after this thing, she lost her cool. She got really upset. She was like, I'm. I. I can't drive. I can't sit in hours of traffic for you to for you to leave the audition for me to go. How'd it go? And for you to go. and at the time I understood that and I sort of do. And I was telling her that as an adult yeah. recently. And then she was like, No, 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 no. Like, you were a kid. I was the adult. Like, I I'm we're always wrong. Right. You were the kid. And I was like, Oh my God. It like really Aww. was like Yeah, it was such a beautiful moment with my mom where I was like, Oh fuck, you're great. Is her
9: ass fat? Does she get money? That's too bad. She gotta go. Tell that bitch honey, That she really
3: that was jared goldstein um finally our last clip of 2019 i know i can't believe it's already over um but we will be back january january 2020 um I believe the second week of January, um, and uh, I'll be back strong with some some strong guests. Uh, I have comedian Lacey Mosley. I'm very excited for that. She's the host of Scam Goddess on Earworth, Um, also a regular on Daily Zeitgeist, so I'm sure some of you already know her. I'm so excited to have her, but that's not till next year. This year, to end a, I was about to say spectacular year, but honestly, this year was a hellfire of a year, uh, in many ways, but also in many ways, very good. It kind of was one of those years where you're like, "Wow, I'm being turned inside out, and everything hurts," um, but cool, it's gonna end soon, so that's also nice. Um, but you know what didn't hurt? This episode, um, this episode, this next clip with Binny and Bazuna. Um, this was pretty recent, so you guys might remember it, but I actually really enjoyed. This moment because he was so open and he's just like such a funny guy and so easy to talk to that you don't like even when he gets serious you're not like you don't get tense you know it's like he's just like comedian through and through he's just so easygoing and so able to handle um, whatever life throws at him I think he's a Sagittarius it makes sense um, I'm kidding I'm not that into astrology no I am I don't know why I'm insecure about you guys know I like astrology but that was a joke I, I'm not. I'm actually not sure what a sign is. Um, but we talked about, um, a really dark time of his life and he just opened up about how he was depressed and how he hadn't grown up knowing about depression and, uh, how he was able to handle it and how he was finally able to get on antidepressants. And I think this is such an important clip because, um, it's just so matter of fact and honest and, and informative and very, uh, brave of him to share so i hope you guys enjoy
14: i need to just go full force that's why i don't feel right um and try doing like juice cleanse all these things cuz i was like it's i can solve this and then i finally accepted like ah oh, fuck i think this is depression and i talked to my dad about it and was like hey um so depression it runs in families and stuff yeah. and like have you ever had these kind of thoughts or have you felt depressed and he's like honestly no and i was like <laughs> you've never felt like apathy or uh. just didn't, like, f- have any uh, investment in what was going to happen. And he was like, well, when I was 20 and I was in my sophomore year at uh, the state college uh. in Addis Ababa, I, uh, my first semester, I got great grades, but then the second semester, I stopped attending classes, and <sighs> I would just walk the streets of Addis, and if you asked me at that time if I cared if I lived or died, I would have told you, honestly, no. And I'm like, <laughs> what fucker, like, But I've never
3: been depressed. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> End of story.
14: <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, that's depression. He's like, well, when I think about it, yeah, maybe that's, wow. yeah. And he, like, had not connected that he had been depressed. Wow. Yeah.
7: Well,
3: um, when did they move here?
14: They were, it was 1980. And he was like, you were born here. Yeah. I was born here. He was like already 30 something when he moved here.
3: Yeah. Um, yeah. That's so interesting. I mean you, it seems like you have such like, um, self-awareness that like, I feel like a lot of people don't like the fact that you're feeling this way and didn't grow up with access to like the language and you're, you felt different. You're like, I'm going to figure this out and research it. And we're like, even taking the step to ask your family to be like, I heard it's genetic. Like that yeah. is so like, it's so proactive and so admirable. Like I feel like so many people who do grow up with parents who are like supportive of mental illnesses mm-hmm. and like go to therapy but be- don't even have that language and yeah. Proactiveness. I,
14: think, I think it's cause y- at a certain point you just want to feel better. And you yeah. like, uh, yeah. you're like,
3: are you a very like task oriented person? Like you, um. you like, you're like a problem solver sometimes
14: I think, yeah. I think I I think I have a, if, if there's something I want to do, I generally will formulate the best steps on how to do it. Whether I actually go through with it, yeah. who knows. Do but, you
3: get anxiety?
14: Um, I don't, I don't know. I think I have before when I was in the throes of depression. I remember mm-hmm. not even having the language to call it anxiety, but like uh, y- getting intense kind of like, fears of something you had done in the past and how like mm. someone like, Oh man, that person probably hates me now because that kind of thing. Oh yeah. You That's... another
3: joke you have about walking away. Oh yeah. Then, like <laughs> not to say all your jokes on the,
14: Oh, I mean, pod, but... I mean, these are already on comedy. Central, <laughs> So it's okay. <laughs>
3: um, but but yeah, well I only ask that because it's like, I feel like anxiety is yeah. so common in comedians, but hearing the way you talk about how you're like, okay, I need to, I don't feel good and I need to feel better. I'm like, it sounds like someone who like it's, it's like almost like uh, it's like I don't know what the opposite of anxiety is, but it's like you have depression without the anxiety. So you're like, I ha- I need to fix this. Whereas yeah. when they're together, sometimes you get so paralyzed where you're like, I can't do anything about this.
14: Well, you, it did take me a long time, so I think there was anxiety in there because it wasn't like this overnight. Like, I feel bad. It's been a week. It's like, you know, months and months and months. And uh-huh. I was I, before I actually got like got on antidepressants. I'd been feeling this way for over a year and oh, wow. just kept on thinking like I was so scared to get on them because I was like, what if I need them now for the rest of my life and I yeah. can't get off them? Or what if I start taking them and I get better, but the, re- but I'm also like running a lot and the reason yeah. I'm getting better, I don't know that it's cause of Which them. Is, yeah. And th- then I will feel, feel like, you know, that like does I, sound like anxiety. Okay. Yeah, I take it back. You're yeah. had
3: Yeah. Is that was Binny and Bazuna, and that, folks, confidant is our last clip of the year. I hope you guys enjoyed this clip show. Um, we will be back in January with a new episode. Um, in the meantime, I might, I might release another, um, like a rerun or something like that, just to keep you guys interested um but we definitely will be back with new episodes in the new year so stay tuned for that if you haven't subscribed already subscribe what are you waiting for give me a nice five star review i love those give me stars yes um and oh i did want to say so like i did mention that these aren't like the top top clips right these are just all really strong clips i really liked so there may be other good moments um but because i played binium's i do also want to say like the last episode last week uh it was a very I think it was a very touching episode with Katie Willard um I just wanted to give a special mention to because because it was the last episode I didn't pull any clips from it because it just happened but um you know Biniam talks about getting on antidepressants I think Katie really went there as well um and talked about her experience and they both had very different experiences but I thought that was they're both so honest and so open and I really do think um you know that's a resource that like if I was a teenager, I wish, I wish podcasts existed, you know, when I was there. But so I just like really, uh, appreciate both of their honesties and everybody's honesty on this podcast. Um, if I missed a moment that you guys loved, if there was something where you're like, Oh my God, I can't get over this moment. It was so good, but she didn't include it. Let me know at me. It's at Larisa T on Twitter or Instagram, or tell me anything pod on Instagram, or just shoot me an email. I take private emails too. Tell me anything pod at gmail.com. Um, that's our final clip. If you guys want to see me do live comedy, I mean, you know where to find me, com slash shows. But um, I will be doing a weekend at the Madhouse Comedy Club in San Diego the weekend of January 10th. So hope to see you guys down there if you live down there. Um, besides that, I post shows regularly on my website. And um, that's been it. I really hope you guys have a great new year. And I don't know, like do something fun that you would never do but that you've always wanted to. Do it, right? Yeah, have you been thinking about doing, doing something like asking that person out or buying that crazy jacket or I don't know, blowing all your money in Vegas? Don't do that, but I've thought about that. Just do it. I'm giving you permission right now. Have some fun. Take a risk. Um, that's it. <laughs> okay. I hope you guys enjoy your new year. Bye.